0: Hello everybody it is Friday April the 22nd this is your post daily news show I am John Pollock and today we are going to be discussing the future of cable the future of streaming and by the time this video is over you are going to know what the answers are in all of those key categories because we have the man himself joining us from Russellnomics headquarters in upstate New York Brandon Thurston of
1: Russellnomics is with us hello Brandon Hello. I'm coming to you live from the mobile Russellomics, uh, studio broadcast booth. Here I am. Yes. Glad, yes. glad to be a, with you, John. As this always. is
0: a, uh, a landmark, uh, event here with, uh, with Brandon joining us on wheels as we speak. And, mm-hmm. uh, we have lots to go through because, uh, as I've been following this Netflix story this week, I definitely thought of Brandon Thurston immediately that I wanted to uh, talk about with that. Uh, but before we get to, uh, the future of streaming, Brandon, uh, let's go over just uh, a couple of notes, uh, coming out of, uh, the past 24 hours, uh, starting off with the dynamite numbers. They were up against the NBA playoffs this week. They did go against those play-in games last week, uh, but this week down, uh, 5% in viewership and down just a percentage in 18 to 49. I would say that, you know, finishing below or above everything outside of the NBA, I thought they were going to be hit a lot harder than they were on Wednesday. Uh, did you have any uh, solid thoughts on this past Wednesday's number? Uh, was this in line with what you expected? And do you think that they might hold up better this year against the NBA playoffs with what they have to present?
1: I mean, this is a, a fine number for them. You know, uh, the, the two NBA playoff games that were on TNT, Turner competing with itself. Uh, That's right. We're, we're number 1 and number 2 on all of if you include broadcast primetime beat everything on broadcast as well and so did the inside the nba episode that was on right after uh the late game uh so th- i mean in, in the wrestlenomics predicted the demo rating game in, in the wrestlenomics discord on uh, yes. the post wrestling uh server uh i think i predicted a 0. 0.36 and it was 0. 0.37 so a little better i guess than i was expecting um I can tell you that uh, it's been made clear to me that A.W. is happy with this number, uh, and this was considered the same week of last year. They were not going against um, the NBA, and they did the same demo number as as this week did. Uh, so there's that. A, de- a decent number. They're, they're doing well. We're in that time of April now, where a year ago in April, this uh, we're now past the point where the Wednesday Night Wars have come to an end. It's been a year now since the war has been over. And now we're comparing Dynamite's numbers to when they were up, the, when they had Wednesday Night to themselves as far as being a wrestling program. So it's the year-over-year comparisons that a lot of people have been pointing out that Dynamite has been up year-over-year in the ratings, which is very true. Uh, much more than any other wrestling program. Uh, that time is gonna, that, those comparisons are gonna start becoming more challenging now. Uh, now that Dynamite is being compared to a time when it was not going against uh, NXT, D-
0: do you expect anything? And and it's probably too early now that once you are approaching the the time period when we're going to s- see significant talks when it comes to renegotiation time of AEW, you know w- whether it be you know shining more of a more of a spotlight, getting its profile out there, of you know really making a big deal of of that growth and getting that message out to. You know, as as much as as you can, just in terms of that focus, like WWE has such a um a foothold to me in in that kind of perception to you know key decision makers that like I I think like a whole strategy needs to be in place for AEW as it is going into what is like the most crucial negotiation of the company's history.
1: Yeah, I I mean if you look at what they have now in terms of their TV rights value, it's forty three and three quarters, about forty four million dollars a year. That's uh, about one-tenth of what WWE gets for Raw and SmackDown combined. Now, Raw and SmackDown add up to more hours per week than what AEW is giving. It's five for Raw and SmackDown, it's three hours for Dynamite and Rampage. Uh, but even so, if you look at uh, the viewership that Dynamite's delivering and Rampage, if you, if you add it all together, um, if I've, I've done these donut charts lately trying to look at, if you, if you imagine WWE and AEW are part of the same pie, and consider the watch time, the number of hours on linear TV that they're, that they're delivering for their networks. WE is delivering about 74% of the watch time between Ron Smackdown. We're not including NXT here because we're trying to think about value and we know what the value is of Ron Smackdown. NXT probably not worth that much. Uh, but WWE is delivering about 74% of that watch time. AEW is delivering about 26%. I'm talking about the demo here, mm-hmm. but they're only getting 9% Of the value. 26% of the watch time is being delivered by AW, but only 9% of the pie are they getting in terms of the money. So now viewership won't be the only factor. Other factors will be, uh, you know, what your ad rates are. There's been a lot of controversy and discussion about well, what what's AEW's relationship like with its partners and the Dominoes controversy with Nick Gage and the, and the pizza cutter and so forth, the the criticism that uh, some people you know uh, brought up towards AEW just recently with the Adam Page thing and the barbed wire mm-hmm. and so forth. So. Uh, these are speculation that that we don't have any real solid reporting here that uh, you know their their ad rates are suffering or anything like that. They may or may not be. I don't know. Um, but there's that those things and the synergy that you you offer to your network in terms of can I get people to watch whatever they were promoting the other night? You want people to stick around to watch that that food show after Dynamite with, oh, yeah. with the Rat uh, in the Kitchen. Rat
0: in the Kitchen. Yes. Yes.
1: So if how's that doing? I should probably be monitoring that more closely. Are, are people sticking around after Dynamite? uh those are all the things that will come into play there but you can look at dynamite's value and say well they're being way underpaid and you can understand why they're being underpaid in the first place because dynamite when they got the upgrade even that they did get in january 2020 they were still they only had three months of a track record behind them and they were kind of an unknown quantity and now it's more clear that aw's here to stay
0: uh this week you also put out um so, some great breakdowns of, uh, AEW's business. Uh, just throwing out the question is AEW's business growing. And I, mm-hmm. I imagine this was one that you, uh, you immediately disabled all comments.
1: I'm sure that there was a, uh... no, no, that has oh, a you did not effect. on this one That is a reverse effect that only lures people out to, to be even more combative. So it's just, just let it, let it be chaos. And I don't read it.
0: Well, that's uh, it's a great strategy nonetheless, but we don't have to delve into a, uh, t- to Twitter culture, but just, uh, D- diving into first on the AEW side i think that you r- really put like a-, a spotlight on many different key metrics and starting off just with a uh, google-, google searches d- do you look at that as maybe cuz i know you have delved a lot into quarter hours youtube views google searches What is your experience of like what you believe is like the best representation of a popularity spike or where a company, where a performer stands just in terms of, you know, that information that you are seeking out?
1: I think web search tells us a lot if we're looking at a large period of time. Uh, if we're looking at at least months, ideally quarters or years, I think it can tell you a lot about, I think it tells you a lot about mind share and just how much people are thinking about something. Yes, people search when they're when they don't know a person. You see a, a spike in debuts, for for instance. You see a spike when there's unfortunate news, and one of the leaders of quarter one 2022 among wrestling personalities was Scott Hall because he unfortunately passed away. Um, Chris Benoit in, t- in two thousand seven is is a big deal, um, but I think it tells us a lot about. And I've I've looked at it tells us a lot about business, and I've looked at you know other patterns, especially if you look at like year over year and you look at, you know, what's, what's impacts rating been doing when it changed all to all those different networks and it appeared to lose buzz, uh, just, you know, perceptibly it also declined in, in web search ring of honor. And it's, it's sort of cooling off period in the late 2010s or so that we saw that in web search also new Japan now lately, especially in the U S we're seeing that cool off on the U S web search. We can narrow it down by all these regions, fortunately, um, so, I think it does tell us something quite meaningful if we're looking at a large period of time.
0: What we can also see, I mean, just in terms of AEW's, um, online strategy specific when it comes to YouTube. I mean, WWE is such a monster in, in this field. Um, where, where do you assess kind of AEW's YouTube strategy and where they stand just in terms of, of using that specific platform?
1: So, their YouTube views are up. Compared to WWE, the year of your comparisons for WWE are not so favorable because they've, I've, I've asked around about this and I haven't got super clear answers. But appear, they've done something to, to their YouTube channel, taking videos off, I guess, to to want for one thing to appease Sony in India. A lot of that viewership is from India, mm-hmm. uh, and I think to appease their TV partner in India, they've they've windowed that content so the highlights of Raw and SmackDown. I don't believe you can see in India until about a day later. Uh, but something happened too at the beginning of the Peacock deal where they did something. And now the year of year comparisons are lower because of that, too.
0: There was also uh, but- that period that it, it might have predated the Peacock deal. But I do remember it's at, at one point for a long time they were putting up segments like as Raw was going on. And then they made the conscious effort to wait till after Raw was ending uh, to put up uh, videos and such. But i I can't remember the exact timeline, but I'm pretty sure that predated uh Peacock right. a- as well. But that was, you know, that was an argument people were making that, man, they're making it very easy for me to just have the s- key segments of raw curated. And I can just go through YouTube and I don't even have to wait till the next day to go through, you know, the, the key segments that I'm up to date on and no need to turn the show on.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I- and something I've been doing in my, my computer will is now running a script every hour and collecting all of this information on every video. Um, but, what, what I've seen is that, you know, WWE, especially if we look at the data that we get from social blade, just tells us the, the video view activity across the entire channel. WWE is just monstrously above AEW or any other player. Um, but I can look at the, the new content, which is something I've been tweeting lately and I've been doing charts on, is that if you look at the new content, the highlights, let's say of Raw, SmackDown, compare them to Dynamite and Rampage, um, you know, the, the Wheeler, Yuta, and John Moxley highlight from Rampage uh, eventually exceeded any other WWE clip in the same week. So that new content, those new clips, those highlights of the weekly programs between WWE and AEW are getting quite comparable. Uh, WWE, though, has been on YouTube since 2006 or whatever it is, and they have an enormous library. Uh, which, you know, just co- comes with being WWE and, and being around for a long time and investing in social media early, investing in YouTube early. They've got a huge library of content that's constantly collecting views. And, you know, AW's only been around for a few years.
0: Uh, so I would encourage people to go check this out. Uh, uh Brandon put out a, an AEW version earlier this week, going through, uh, television numbers, pay-per-view buys, YouTube views, and Google web search, and then putting out one, uh, with, with WWE as well this week. So we get it, we get a, a breakdown of both, uh,
1: yeah, to I check the out. the moral of the story, if I just add one more thing, is that your sure. AEW's popularity seems to be up based on TV ratings, based on pay-per-view buys, as it's supported by YouTube views and, and, and Google as well. So if there's any questions about, like, well, is AEW really growing its audience? At, at this moment, we can say, yeah, it certainly looks like it. It's profitability, another question. Um, and I think WWE's popularity has declined, I've said this many times. I think WWE's popularity has declined from about 2016 to 2020. And I think we're seeing that flatten now, stabilizing. Um, that's what I see in web search, especially. I think they're starting to you know, the the. The decline in popularity. We all know their, their financial picture is tremendous, but the, the decline in popularity seems to be stabilizing at the moment.
0: Do, do you put any any stock into what has stabilized that that popularity over the past month? Does that directly coincide with uh, WrestleMania build, a generally positive reception to WrestleMania th- this year, or do you just see this as um, kind of hitting hitting a, a baseline that there is uh, just the fact that they have. You know, met, met that stabilization
1: point. It's a good question. I, and may, maybe part of it is, is being on Peacock and more people have Peacock this year than last year. And, and when I say stabilized, it's like Q1 this year in web search for, for what that's worth. We can debate. But Q1 of this year is better than Q1 of last year, which is also the lead up to WrestleMania. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what Q2 is like because that actually does contain WrestleMania in, in April. I don't know. At WrestleMania to me felt like a bigger deal this year in terms of attention than it did last year roman reigns feels like a bigger star i I might argue than last year um i don't know celebrities logan paul i don't know
0: i think as we also you know come off of this cody Rhodes story i mean that is that is something that more so attached to what you just mentioned about like google search activity is that those type type of transactional stories there's always a significant amount of intrigue and it was interesting just listening to sort of um I was listening to a show about sort of the NBA's thought process on like your your Wojnowski's and such that they they love the fact that these guys are out there and the news that is broken because we have an off season and that kind of transactional news it makes us a 12 month a year um type of sports topic that is going to have news 12 months of the year and that is going to keep that conversation going and when we see major figures going back and forth a cm punk like we can see what that spike was and that's going to be on the high side but even a cody coming back and just all of the other metrics to get affected by that that re-engage an audience that maybe has been a lapsed fan that is tuning into raw now that is seeking out more uh more news coverage that those kinds of back and forths, I think, is – we are going to see, like, spikes here and there when it comes to activity just based on having a thriving competitor and having two-way traffic when it comes to talent.
1: Yeah. I, w might – I don't know. If they were being honest, W might, might argue that the competition, you know, competition motivates you to produce a better product, and more popular product. I don't know. But I, I – I don't know what WWE would do about it, but the kinds of things you're talking about with the NBA and the news stories, like real legitimate news stories, these these are the kinds of things that WWE, at least in its history, have always tried to ignore. And I guess that just comes from the legacy of being this pro wrestling medium where you don't, you, you don't acknowledge reality and you create your own reality. Um, but that, that, you know, that's in in my bubble, you know, that, that is, you know, a, a big deal. There's the story between, W and AEW and the story of somebody like Cody Rhodes moving over and people going the other way and so forth.
0: So one of the reasons uh, we want to have you on this week was uh, the big Netflix story. And Brandon, uh, this week, some headlines coming out of this story. Are you ready for this? Have we had enough Netflix? Welcome to Netflix apocalypse. End of an era as Netflix faces stagnation challenges. And my favorite one for you. Netflix subscriber woes suggest streaming wars have started to buffer. So is Very this, nice. is this the, the, the
1: equivalent of wrestling moves in the headline? I think. Yes.
0: Yes. The uh, Netflix takes a uh, devastating pile driver rock bottom hits rock bottom. Uh, stunning to the investment community. And I, I'm just, I'm amazed by how quickly that this reaction has been that this has now become a referendum on streaming and you know, where the the worldwide leader in streaming is going. Um like maybe some of this um this concern is very much warranted, but at the same time, uh just give me a little bit uh, of your reaction. First of all, just to uh the, the coverage this week, uh with such a sizable drop that Netflix has taken, like thirty six percent its stock dropped this week.
1: Yes. A sizable drop to my net worth too. That's right. I held some Netflix shares. I've held them long enough though that I'm, I'm up compared to what it is now. Fortunately, you you got your shares in, in what it's it's been years and years, correct? So I was looking at my lots because, because is happening. So the lots are that, that, you know, when, when you make the purchases or the moves, I, I, most of them I got in 2013 when it was like 40 some odd dollars a share. Oh, wow. But I did make some stupid buys later that when it was, you know, way above where it is today. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I I think we're coming to the point now and compound this with the news that like CNN plus didn't, didn't even last a month in 2022, where we're, f- we're learning where saturation point is for streaming. Um, just by, just by way of having to analyze these metrics, I've, I've realized that, you know, all these different media, they have kind of have different maturity levels, like uh, linear TV is on the decline. You have to take that into account that people are, you know, cutting the cord and there's fewer traditional TV subscribers over time. And up until now, at least, uh, streaming video has been the opposite that it's an immature media medium that, that doesn't, uh, hasn't been fully embraced by the entire population yet, but it's going in that direction. And social media is another one where we've seen, I was just looking it up earlier today. Now we're seeing, um, facebook's daily active monthly active users flattening out twitter has been flattened out for a while twitter doesn't even like to talk about its monthly active users anymore they prefer to talk about their monetized active users Uh, so they're not they're not the only ones in investor relations that that like that like to change the conversation um but yeah it's streaming has come to uh uh it's a sponge now it's been been fully saturated And everybody sees the opportunity that's in streaming. And I think nobody knows where cable subscribers plateau in terms of people cutting the cord. And we're down to a little under, I think, 80 million subscribers in the U.S. for traditional TV. Netflix is somewhere around 60 million in the U.S. for a comparison. They... a few years ago, they started to report U.S. and Canada together. But if you extrapolate the population and assume that Netflix subscribers are evenly distributed across the U.S. and Canada relative to their population, then that would put Netflix at around 60 million subscribers. And the, the story here, that the reason why Netflix stock has collapsed is because subscribers uh, did not grow this in, in, the, in the most recent quarter in Q1 versus Q4. Uh, but it had been... I've, I've been tweeting the charts, uh, today and yesterday. It's been in a, it's been a stair, staircase going up and up and up and up and up until now. And they're forecasting that they're going to lose subscribers in the following quarter. So Netflix is the one that's the earliest to the game here. So I they think they're, they're the best test to see where's streaming at. And obviously there's all these competitors now as so everybody's identified the opportunity here that's here for streaming. And you got Disney Plus and HBO Max and so forth that are in there too. Uh, Peacock, let's not forget. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, this is where I think digital media, a lot of different kinds of digital media in 2022 are, are, are reaching their plateau. Um, and I don't know what happens for, for linear TV as I've been following the ratings. You know, I don't have a Nielsen subscription, unfortunately, but we do have showbiz daily that gives us quite a bit of data that I've been able to scrape and P50 plus people over the age of 50, their TV viewership has not declined. Over the years, uh, people in the 18 to 34 age bracket absolutely has declined. But, you know, I've, I think I tweeted, you know, uh, how is linear TV supposed to, to, to die if people over the age of 50 are not tuning out? They're not cutting the cord. Uh, they may be dabbling in streaming, but they're still watching linear TV. And I think we're going to see this environment where there's going to be traditional TV for a long time to come.
0: This to me is like the push and pull of so many of these, um, of these companies is, you know, where we place how much emphasis we place on everyone needs a streaming company. Everyone needs to have that up and launched. But if you're ESPN, how much are you dedicating to ESPN plus when? Cable, I'm with you. Like, I, I do not, I've heard like smart people believe that in five years, ESPN is going to be a direct to consumer model, uh, that, that cuts out cable. And I just, I cannot fathom that when you're essentially like this shines a spotlight in, are you abandoning one service in cable for a less profitable one in, in streaming that is not going to transfer over that, ca- that those cable subscribers, uh, to streaming specifically 50 plus that I, I think Like you need to be able to service that audience, which is still an extremely profitable business for yourself. And that is what, um, these, these smaller companies are are going to have to judge when, when it comes to like how much they are going to dedicate and the, the, the incredible amounts that are being sunk into establishing these streaming platforms and getting something like a CNN plus that after 30 days, they are, they're throwing in their, their, their notice that they cannot go forward with this.
1: Yeah, I guess one thing we we can lay on the table is that cable is still profitable. Everybody talks about cable dying. The cable bundle is dying. But it's still a profitable business, even as the customers for that business are going down. And Netflix is profitable. But I don't know about the, all these other companies. Certainly Peacock is the, one of the newer players. It's not profitable. I don't know that any of these other streaming businesses on an isolated basis are, are profitable in, in themselves. But they're a, an investment towards the future, Expecting that there's going to be a future with even less cable subscribers and even more engagement on streaming. Uh, so I don't know. We seem to have been at the end of this, this rapid diversion in, in behavior though. So we'll see. And like I said, the, the, uh, what I think is probably going to happen in the next couple of years is that you're going to see some of these companies merge services. You're definitely going to see Discovery and Warner, which are, are merged companies now, mm-hmm. they're going to bundle HBO Max and Discovery Plus together. They didn't, they're not going to bundle CNN Plus. They're just getting rid of it, I guess. Uh, the new bosses there decided they don't, they don't like that service anyway. Uh, interesting, too, by the way, that you know, CNN Plus, CNN News, cable news is this thing that is especially popular with people at the age of 50. I know Fox News is really the biggest one. But CNN Plus, even most of that viewership is P50 Plus, um, overwhelmingly. And that didn't succeed. Maybe because streaming is just this younger skewing product. But anyway, you're going to see more of these companies merged, and more of these companies make agreements with each other. If, if not, merge their companies together, so that it becomes something that's more like a, I don't know, a, a cable bundle, you know, through a streaming pipe. Uh, we also
0: have heard this week uh, from uh, a frequent um, voice that we hear on the, the WWE uh, earnings calls, and that is uh, Laura Martin. Of Needham, uh, who has kind of been uh, the, the go-to analyst when it comes to Netflix, and she has been very strong on Netflix and their need to innovate. And uh, I was listening to an interview with her this week, uh, and, and apparently, uh, Netflix is has has at least gone on the record stating that they will add an advertising tier. Uh, but also, she suggests uh, more content. Built around live sports and, and news being something that Netflix needs to get into. And I would say that, you know, in response to this week for Netflix, uh, what's going to come out of that to me is a lot of experimentation and probably, um, a- expediting a lot of like theoretical changes they could make that now, um, the investment community, they're going to be looking for concrete changes and, Live sports has been something that has very much been attached to Netflix as a potential future avenue for them, and that could very much speed up the process
1: and and gaming is something that they talked about getting into uh, an ads tier something that they finally admitted that they're interested in um and if if you're sharing your Netflix subscription with another household, they're coming for you uh, eventually uh you know I, I think a lot of these companies have I mean, I don't, I haven't read over the terms of service like anybody, but I bet that the, you know, they're sharing a a subscription is not certainly not illegal or it's not in violation of their terms of service, or if it is, they're not enforcing it. And I think everybody's embracing this, all these streaming platforms are sort of embracing it because, you know, they, they'd rather have the, the growth and the behavior and get your habits now. And then they'll figure out a way to monetize you, you know, one by one later.
0: What's interesting, Brandon, is that this quarter, like Netflix's revenue was was up something like 10% th- this quarter. It's it's not as though this was a money losing quarter for Netflix, but it shows you just how how essential uh, the subscriber growth is. Like that is what is going to be the, the pressure point when it comes to uh, stockholders is seeing this continued growth. And it would seem that the the challenge now is to curb this loss and... And whether it is clamping down on, on passwords or coming up with brand new ideas uh, t- to reverse this trend, because 222 million subscribers, um, that is not going to be satisfactory as, as a ceiling for Netflix, which is what they are staring at.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, it's about speculation, right? It's, it's you may be a profitable company, but we kind of expected that. What wasn't known was where the ceiling is. You know, where's the saturation point for, for Netflix? And we found out that it's for the moment there might be incremental growth you know, in the future, but for the moment it's somewhere around 220 million subscribers worldwide and the the growth in the U S Canada region was slowing down anyway. And the, the areas of the world that they probably still have more growth to gain are probably areas where the price point is lower and there's less revenue per user to extract there.
0: Do you, do you look at, um, you know, when, when we are going into the these WWE and AEW negotiations, like how many of these streaming players are going to be uh potential options here? Like I, I see, you know, if Netflix gets involved in live sports, that one seems to be like like a pretty far out one. But ESPN Plus is going to be very interesting because, you know, UFC's rights are going to be up soon. And UFC to me stands to be head and shoulders above WWE and AEW by a sizable margin, Um and where like an HBO, HBO Max are are going to fit into all of this. Like it potentially this is much more suitors at the table than we were looking at back in 2018 the last time WWE announced their renewal.
1: Yes, Nick, Nick Hall was right. It's only a matter of time for all these tech players to get involved. And I'm sure there's going to be there's going to be a lecture about this on on the next earnings call in a couple of weeks. Uh, Nick, Nick, the Nick Khan Nick. TED Talk, yes. He will, he will enlighten us. But yeah, I don't know. In terms of live sports, you know, I was, I was speculating with Chris Gull the other night. You know, maybe you see something like, you know, look at look at Fox. That's that looks kind of smart now. You know, I, I know they were late to the game, but they didn't try too hard to catch up. They yeah, they own Tubi, but that doesn't appear to be a huge investment, and they're not dumping what is it, billions of dollars into something like Peacock to come up with their own subscription streaming service. So I don't, I don't know, like maybe it makes sense for, for Netflix to, to merge with one of these traditional TV networks that haven't uh, had great success or, or, in the case of Fox, just haven't invested that much in streaming. And uh, may, maybe that, that works out for them some way. Uh, but I think there's going to be, it's definitely in WWE's case, I expect there to be some sort of streaming component to the next T V rights deal in terms of maybe you see I think you guys have talked about I maybe you see Raw. Uh you know, select episodes of Raw are on Peacock, uh in addition to the US USA network. Um uh, and maybe that even, you know, becomes increasingly the case over over the course of the deal, if it's five years or something like that. But I, I do expect there to be some sort of streaming component to the next deal. Um, especially if we still do see Cable subscriptions decline over time, and streaming behavior increase. Uh, I expect that to happen. I expect it, it to be the, the case that wherever Raw is, say, is is going to be the same place where the streaming is. You know, mm-hmm. NBC Universal. I don't expect we're going to see. So that that's why it makes me skeptical of that. Like, what's Amazon going to do if they buy WTV rights? I, I I don't know that being on Amazon Prime is enough. Even though, yes, there's. Uh, more people in the United States that have a, a Amazon Prime subscription than own a pet. It's a lot of people, but people, I don't know that that's a high enough reach platform in terms of people scrolling through it and watching it. The big talking point for Thursday Night Football is that it's, it's going to have the lowest viewership ever because it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Nobody's going to watch it. We'll see. Uh, but I think it's really important for wrestling programs to be on a really high reach platform like the USA network like tnt tbs fox is even better uh because they have all these other businesses that they have to generate revenue in including ticket sales and merchandise sales uh it's a promotional tool tv is still even though oh now it's where where they get most of the revenue from so and, and in terms of let's think about aew where, where's their streaming home? I, I guess maybe a bundled HBO Max and Discovery Plus, but um, we'll see. That's uh, that's further in the future.
0: Well, one thing uh, you do such a great job with, Brandon, is that you, you go beyond the numbers and you can also talk about uh, when it comes to business philosophy. So I'm going to throw this out to you, whether it be uh, Tony Khan or Nick Khan, they're getting ready for one of their own TED Talks. And they call it Brandon Thurston and they want to they want to pick your brain. Okay, these negotiations are coming up and they have just a an obscene offer for and this would probably be more so realistic for AEW than WWE. But let's say that in these rounds of negotiations, there is such a gigantic offer that could take them exclusively streaming. And this goes to our prior subject of if you are AEW, are you looking at just the most financially lucrative deal or are you looking at streaming like there is a ceiling to our growth there that if we don't have representation on cable television to grow that audience um could could something like this thrive as just a streaming product that hbo you know just loosens the purse strings um to offer for for AEW
1: i, I don't think so i don't think that makes sense to let's say AEW dynamite and rampage only on a streaming platform not any kind of traditional TV distribution. I don't, I don't think that makes sense. Uh, and you can pay, they, they, can, you know, offer billions of dollars, but my, my feeling would be, if it were me, is that you can offer me all the money in the world, but is this going to work out long term? Uh, it's only, it's going to be, you know, a a, sh- a short term deal in terms of in m- multiple years, but eventually that deal's going to end and after four or five years, and I'm going to be left with whatever level of popularity I have at the end of that um and if you want to be in the wrestling business for more than four or five years, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense you know it's as much as younger people don't watch traditional t v anymore uh being on a a major t v network is still a really big deal mm hmm and I think that
0: that's overall like kind of the theme of what we're talking about here. Like the value of cable television that continues. And I think we will continue. Will it be diminished over the next 10 years? The numbers would suggest yes, but to say it will be irrelevant in 10 years that I am, I am certainly very hesitant to uh, declare, but uh, uh, a fascinating topic nonetheless. And uh, before we, uh, we want, we wind things down, Brandon, uh, raw was in your hometown of Buffalo, New York. You did not make it to raw. Did you miss? The double commitment
1: ceremony and lie detector test. I missed it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I missed that one. I have Chris Gullo is there, my co-host for WrestleMania. He was there. Uh, we will we will talk about his experience. And how, how much of a smile was put on his face? We will we will test it. Um, no, I, I didn't make it. But uh, I heard that there were during the double commitment ceremony there were uh, Buffalo Bills chants, certain, uh-huh. certain chants that are are popular for for. Buffalo Bills fans to do that were happening during that segment. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch any, I didn't watch any of Raw. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if that came across on TV. I'm curious to, to know. You
0: what. could definitely hear the cat calls. Uh, they, they were singing shout. I mean, they, they were, okay. they were having fun. They were keeping themselves entertained during the, uh, the okay. double, uh, commitment ceremony. Okay. Uh, before we wrap up here, we do have some super chats, uh, for, for Brandon. The first one comes oh, wow. from DJ Convoy. Uh-huh. I don't expect Brandon to give away any propri- proprietary secrets or get in trouble, but can he please tell us why he believes Turner owns a stake in AEW? Uh, Brandon, you have theorized this. You have not reported this. this.
1: No, I, 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 I believe it to be the case. Um, I think that it probably is part of the deal. It, it incentivizes Turner to, uh, to want to see AEW succeed and to promote them. And, uh, I, I think that's part of the deal. And I was, uh, I was talking to someone recently, not anybody who works at AEW, uh, and speculating about this, and, uh, that person had heard that too. So I think, I think that's, I think that's what's happening, that gave me some more confidence that that's the case, but we'll see. And when we're talking about all these TV rights negotiations, I think one thing that you'll see too is rather than renewing either of these properties, you might see them, if I'm either one of these networks, I would just rather buy this company rather than having to, you know, open up another lease on my apartment here. I would rather just buy them outright um, because that that makes a lot of sense. If I can buy, you know, for a few billion dollars, if I can buy AEW or well, probably less than that, uh, if Tony's even interested in that, which I, I tend to think not, but I don't know. Uh, but, or if I can buy WWE, that, that's affordable for one of these big media companies. What's not affordable is buying a sports organization that's even bigger than that.
0: Last one here as uh, uh,
1: the, the destruction the, happens out yeah, here.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's the cable industry outside. It's, it's just falling apart, everybody. It's, like it's the coming crashing is, down.
1: Cable collapsing before our eyes.
0: Okay, this is a very random question. Uh, do you have any idea of OWE Wrestling is still a company or doing anything at all? Yes, this was uh, a... It's a good question. I don't know. I have not heard anything about yeah, uh, OWE. Um, pretty much like, you know, some buzz going in, but then the pandemic happened and yeah. that largely uh shut things down so i, I do not have any update and,
1: on and, it. and shima who was very involved in that is is doing doing things all over the place in japan and so forth so mm-hmm. and they had like a relationship they're supposed to have a relationship with aw2 at the beginning i don't know what happened there
0: yeah, they brought, they brought up a lot of the crew that, uh, that SummerSlam weekend here in Toronto right before, um, AEW was going on, on television. But yeah, we will, uh, seek to get a, an update there. My last question, Brandon, before we let you go, kind of tying everything together here is that, you know, you, you and I in this wrestling space, we kind of operate, uh, you know, similar, you know, we have like our Patreons and such. And I question to you, and I just read, I, re- I just read this book on the, uh, the AOL Time Warner merger. So this is, uh, fresh on my brain mm-hmm. is how you would imagine your coverage would differ if you were in a position where quarter to quarter, you had to post growth every single quarter and how that would alter your kind of coverage and what kind of stories you would focus on and ones you would not. Because I've given it uh, a lot of thought. And I, I it's one of the reasons I think the Patreon model really um, helps, especially w- with with news. But if you were in a position where you know, week after week or quarter after quarter, you had to pre- be able to show growth of YouTube views, of web hits, of Twitter traffic. That I, I think, like that, in a nutshell, uh, it very much affects news coverage.
1: Yeah, I don't have the stomach for that. I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would do something else. I've- I-, I would quit and start a- start a different, you know, Patreon where, where I don't have to do that. Yeah. Um I don't know. I- I've, been- I've been thinking. I don't know. Do- I don't know if news organizations should even need to be profitable. They have a a different purpose, you know, and all sorts of problems that can, I
0: I think it's a horrible, um, a a reliance and attachment that, that you have when, when news has to be uh, profitable, but man, that, um, that toothpaste is out of the tube, and unfortunately I don't think there's there's any going back to that, but at least on sure. on a micro level that we operate at, I just think it's it's something that I am personally after reading so much about this this week am very glad I'm not in a position where I have to look at that because I think it completely
1: alters uh your, your business structure where I, it's I, I think and I think ad revenue especially I think I've talked talked to you guys about this I think ad, ad revenue especially it incentivizes you know, hysteria. It incentivizes things that make people click, things that, that attract attention, and that that's definitely a competing interest with, I don't know, whatever I hope we're doing: informing people, trying to have good conversations, trying to you know uh, sh- sh- shed light on things that uh, are are in the public's interest. So,
0: yeah. and always answering that elusive question: who's a draw? Who's, who's a, draw? a draw? Yes, the big one. The and needs the last. To know. The last word from from Chris Ely. Sup guys? No shirt? Sh- no shirt today, Br- Thurston?
1: Is it Casual Friday? Sure, let's call it that. that. That works. I did consider it when I when I uh, left the the home this morning, uh, but I decided not to for for a number of reasons, including uh, other other things that I that I have to return to in a moment. <laughs> well,
0: Brandon, I want to thank you uh, so much for uh, for jumping on with us as our uh, official business correspondent here on the post-daily news show. Uh, what is coming up th- this Sunday? Uh, we'll get a live report from Chris of Raw at, at the the KeyBank Center, I believe is the latest name for, for this the arena. I know Center. it is the
1: yes. Marine Midland Arena at one point, but it's gone through Midland many... Arena, the HSBC Arena, and now the KeyBank Arena. I think they've all merged into KeyBank now or something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about probably something along the lines of what we talked about today uh, in terms of the W and, and W breakdowns we've done recently. Maybe some TV ratings. Who knows? I haven't put together slides yet. That's, that's for tonight and tomorrow. All right. Well,
0: look out for that. Uh, WrestleNomics every Sunday drops here on the post wrestling network and follow the man at Brandon Thurston. Uh, great, great charts this week. As I said on, on Thursday's show, not just great information, but so, so aesthetically pleasing, Brandon. Your, Absolutely. your, your graphs are second to none.
1: And it's it's great to be here to talk about things in addition to wrestling. I I I'm trying to make the next pivot too. Maybe I can be not just a wrestling reporter, but a media analyst too.
0: We will we will Maybe. update the 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 your, your name key for for the next time. Media analyst uh Brandon Thurston. It's always great to chat about the these topics with you, Brandon. You uh have such a diverse knowledge of so many uh different areas and uh we appreciate you uh taking some time out in the uh in the WrestleNomics studio on wheels to join us today. And that's going to wrap things up. We're back tonight. Rewind to SmackDown, 11.05 p.m. Eastern time, right after SmackDown and Rampage, as we will be going through three hours of wrestling programming with Wei Ting. So that is it. Thank you for tuning in to the Post Daily News Show. At Parker, our purpose is simple.